In this episode of the Unfold the Soul Blesses Heart Leadership Podcast, when you're doing the right work and catching hell almost on a daily basis, sometimes it just takes one awesome day to keep you coming back. Girl, he reads from these journals he kept when he was a principal. Uncut and uncensored, putting all his business in the street. The podcast, bless his heart. The name, Ken Williams. Man, this is definitely one of my favorite mornings. This town meeting was all about student recognition. So little has been done to recognize students that I wanted to go over the top with it. With that in mind, we had engraved trophies ordered. I played the Rocky theme song, called their names like they do in the NBA, and invited their parents to come out and feel the love. It was perfect. Everything was wonderful, and I found myself welling up when I saw all the kids gathered in front of the gym. I literally had to take a moment to calm myself down for fear that someone would see me getting misty. The assembly was definitely one of the highlights of my time here at the school, and I'm determined to develop more opportunities for students to be inducted into the Swint Hall of Fame. Hey, listen, I, I meant what I said about catching hell. You know, you could be doing the right work, but if you're at the very beginning of what is sometimes considered a turnaround effort or you are trying to shift paradigms, it's uh, it's it's tough work. And it's been my experience over the years, uh, even doing the work I do now, when I consult with schools and, you know, sometimes it's long-term work and I'm on a journey. Sometimes that work can be frustrating as, as well, but every once in a while, man, like the universe sends you a nugget, a day, a breakthrough. And this day was just one of them. Now, first, I'm going I'm to explain town meeting. My first principal is Ken Evans. When I was a teacher in Montgomery County Schools in Maryland. And he had this thing called town meeting, and I thought it was the coolest thing ever. The best way I can describe it is like a reverse pep rally. So instead of having the pep rally at the end of the week where you're, you know, finishing the week off and talking about how well things went, town meeting felt like a reverse pep rally. You'd have it at the beginning of the week to kick the week off. So every Monday, Ken would gather the entire student body and we would do, you know, announcements and recognition and it was just just a cool way to build community and true family. And I also love that, you know, we're always talking about time and, you know, it's the one asset that you know, we can't make any more of. And yet he found it important enough to have this thing happen every week. And it meant something. So when I became a principal, we implemented the same thing, this town meeting. So today's town meeting, the one, you know, in the this journal entry was about student recognition. And I'm not exaggerating. There was literally next to nothing in place when I got to the school. And I mean, including awards assemblies. Um, it was, I mean, the, and I just think it just became just kind of the, the malaise of the culture. I'm not 
trying to disparage staff because a lot of this is leadership. But there was next to nothing in place. I mean, I've been talking about the like the basics, just ground level awards assemblies, like nothing. And so I wanted to connect with staff in a way where we could start putting some of these things in place. And this was some of the beginning. And it was it was just it was just awesome. It was awesome to see what was happening in the present. And it also just gave you a glimpse of what this could grow into as we continue to change the culture. Town meeting lasted about 20 to 25 minutes on a Monday. And it was just worth every second invested. It really was. And I know in the beginning, you know, some saw it as a waste of time or a disruption. I mean, literally moving the entire student body into the cafetorium was, uh, but we got used to it. It became a muscle and it became something that kids looked forward to. And I loved kicking their week off and it was just fantastic. The second thing I want to unpack is, you know, the, these opportunities for students to become part of the fabric of the school. I don't have the research in front of me, but Rick DeFore cited some research that he used to build the PLC model at Stevenson, and that was he needed his students to be plugged into two sports slash activities, every student, and it, and it wasn't a choice. So whether it was newspaper club or the football team, every student had to plug into two activities slash sports at the school because there was some research that he cited that showed students had a much better chance that they were much more likely to become part of the fabric of the culture, to care about the culture, to feel invested, to feel a part if they were involved with two activities. And so I, you know, I, I saw this as you know, a, a hybrid of that kind of research where we we needed students involved. We had no student council, no mentoring clubs. There was next to nothing. And so this was the beginning of uh, a move in that direction. This was less about, um, you know, celebrating specific grades and more about how to get students more invested in the life of the school. Now, that said, I can tell you this is also a lesson in, you know, a quote that I heard from Jack Canfield 25 years ago that I still use today, and that is success leaves clues. It's not enough to wish and want for your school. Like our school had next to nothing going on for students. Yet there were other schools in the district that had tons going on. And then I also had to, to assess my strengths and, you know, what I was able to do as a leader. Now, you can look across town at the school that's probably in a, you know, a more secure neighborhood with a higher tax base and see all the opportunities they have going on. And you can complain about that if you want. But if you want to make that happen, you need to go over there and find out what they're doing. Success leaves clues. 
as a leader, I, I've got a lot of strengths. I got a lot of things working in my favor, but I also have a lot of deficits as well. I'm pretty decent at marshaling resources, but I know principals who are phenomenal. I know staff members who just know how to leverage partnerships in the community. I'm not great at that. I'm, I'm not great at that. So I had to humble myself and act as if, you know, I'm in a collaborative culture. And I sought out those principals who knew, I mean, Tanya Mahone Williams and Dean Lillard, Faith Duncan. These were principals in my district at the time, and they knew how to marshal resources. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's just unbelievable. And so whether it was partnering with them to get better or learning from them so I could get better, I had to humble myself because I was not great at that, even though I wanted that for my school. I wanted to have a partnership with the local industry. I wanted a partnership with Chick-fil-A. I wanted a partnership with our local newspaper. I wanted those partnerships. I wanted a partnership with the, the, the local university. But I wasn't great at leveraging those relationships. So I could sit around and do one of two things. I could look at their situation and come up with all sorts of excuses why they have more advantages than we do. Or I could get out humble myself and learn you know which is much like a collaborative culture again the the assumption so often is that every leader has every tool to make it happen at the school and that's just not true the principal is no more than the principal teacher which means the person across the table from you likely has skills and strengths that can be used to bolster some of your weaker areas and I just wasn't great at leveraging resources in the community. You know, in my work today, I think of Felicia Spicer, who is the principal at Oak Grove Elementary in Fayette County in Georgia. And I don't know anyone who can work the community in a phenomenal way like she does. Like she does. And so I, I learned from her as well. So I don't care what your situation is. We were the poorest performing school in the district, the poorest performing district in the greater Atlanta area at the time. And it would be easy, and I find a lot of schools do this. Whatever your situation is, and you're looking across town, looking across the community, and you see another school that's got tons of advantages, tons of things going on, and you know, you could make excuses all day for why your school isn't in that position or why they're able to have access to those things, or you can go out and make it happen. Or you can go out and make it happen. But I knew to leverage what the community had to offer had to be more than me wishing and more than me wanting because I wasn't great at it. And so I had to go and sit at the feet of some principals who knew how to really, really work those connections and squeeze everything out of the community in the service of more students learning more at their school. I'm not going to get deep into this right now because I believe I've got a few journal entries that address this more specifically. But a day like this was just kind of a momentum building opportunity. And later on, we just looked under rocks for opportunities for kids to be involved in the life of the school. And the greatest legacy part of this, and I don't mean my legacy, I'm just talking about our history at that school. 
was just how many staff got involved and leveraged their own interest into creating some homegrown opportunities for kids. Our mentoring programs grew out of the ground with staff members. Our running club grew out of the ground through staff members. We had a checkers and chess club that grew out of the ground with staff members. And it was beautiful to watch how these new initiatives breathed new life into some staff members who'd been there for a long time. On the next episode of the Unfolded Soul, bless his heart, leadership podcast. I'm sure glad I had this great town meeting day because, baby, we back to catching hell. We back to catching hell. Thanks for listening this week. Be sure to tune in next week to this buttery baritone who has one last reminder for you. Always remember when you wake up on the right side of dirt, you playing with house money, baby. You playing with house money. You've been listening to the Unfold the Soul, Bless His Heart podcast with Ken Williams. For more information about Ken, visit unfoldthesoul.com.